Tommy Lorenzo. And this is the Pop Style Opinion Fest. Hello, kittens. Welcome back to another edition of the PSO. I am the teen, your Tilo, Tom Fitzgerald. And I'm here with the low and your Tilo, Lorenzo. Hello. How you doing? Fine. We're a little punchy. We just did an hour and a half Zoom uh, call with a bunch <laughs> of uh, Beloit college students who are doing uh, reading our book. Uh, as part of the text for their class on drag in film and television. So that was fun. That was awesome. We love doing these things, um, especially with college students, because they're just so engaged. And they have such great questions and everything. But, I mean, literally an hour and a half Zoom call just ended about five minutes before we flipped on the mic. Which was awesome. The the students were great. Uh, They were. The questions were awesome. And they're reading our book. I know. Any teachers out there who are signing our book, you should know that we would happily do this for your classes. Anyway, uh, but we are a little punchy, and we're going to get uh, started. We're going to dive right in to talk about the finale of And Just Like That. You had to figure, we've been ranting and raving about it every week since it debuted, that we were going to devote an entire podcast to the finale. Much, much, much to discuss. As I tweeted out that morning, I got up first thing in the morning to watch it and was mad about five times before the sun (laughs) even came up. There was so much, I don't even know how to put it except to say fuckery in the way this show was written that it was just infuriating by the end of it. Um, And I... I will say this before we get into our ranting and raving about the show. Um, first of all, it all comes from a place of love. We yes, have a long, show, long, yeah. long-standing and relationship with those characters. Second, um, let's acknowledge this. If Sex and the City was around during podcast blogging or social media, uh, there would be weekly diatribes well, about absolutely. that show. We were. It, it's very... Uh, Sex and the City, it, it's a show that we watched... All the time. Right. We talked about it all the time. We talked about it all the time with our friends, uh, with our queer friends. I mean, it was just something that was really part of our lives. And, you know, back even, you know, Sex and the City had its share of crazy storylines right, that right. you followed along, whether it was Carrie cheating on Aiden with Big or, you know, uh, Charlotte's failed first marriage or the ups and downs of Miranda's love life or whatever. Um, there were plenty of opportunities to yell at the television back then. And we did. Right. So, um, the fact that everyone is talking about this show all the time, uh, is a testament. I mean, that was deliberate. They wanted that. They wanted a water cooler. There is no such thing as a water cooler show anymore, but they wanted the equivalent of that. They wanted a show that everybody couldn't shut up about. And many, 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 many pieces uh, written about the show. I mean, you go everywhere, anywhere. Yeah, they're talking about somebody. So on a certain level, yes, I feel like they were continuing a sex in the city tradition by having all these crazy storylines. And yes, I think we all would have been ranting and raving about it just as much if we had podcasts back mm-hmm. then or Twitter accounts back then or whatever. Um, but that doesn't mean it's above criticism. And uh, we're going to get into every little silly part of it. I I will say that I still think they did okay by Carrie through yes. most of the season. She had an arc. It made a certain amount of sense. Don't get me wrong. There was some crazy stuff in the last few minutes of the episode. But for the most part, it was about her um, grieving big and moving on with her life. And, okay, check. It it wasn't the most interesting way to go about it. And there's a lot about her storyline that just does not make it. Why is she still in that apartment? I have no idea. Right. Um, but her reactions, her feelings um, made sense in a way. It that, felt like Carrie. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, and it 
made sense. The storyline made sense for the character. Um, so I don't have much of a problem. I, there are m- things about Carrie's portrayal and everything, but I think they did get Carrie exactly right. That is who she was. That is who she is. Um, and then Charlotte, um, you know, I, we have talked about her on this, on this podcast before about how they, uh, whatever you do with Charlotte, um, whatever examination you have of Charlotte in, in say late middle age, which is where she is. This is it. This, it would be revolve around her children and her husband and her standing. And cause that's who Charlotte was. Right. So I don't feel that they did badly by Charlotte as a character. Um, they just didn't make it particularly interesting in the long run. I think all of Charlotte's drama can and should be domestic oriented. Um, she she should stand in as you know there's there's characters like Carrie there's women out there like Carrie there's women out there like, like Miranda but there's even more women out there who are in Miranda's age group I mean in Charlotte. Charlotte's age group who mm-hmm. are devoted to the raising of their children and, right. and the cohesion of their family and that and that sort of thing so I I don't have that much of a problem with the general approach to Charlotte but of course the big story that no one can shut up about, including us, is how badly they have handled Miranda. Right. Are you in agreement yeah, on that? I totally agree with that. And I don't think they did any better by her in the finale than they did all season long. Um, I remember getting... I'll tell you about the parts that actually really pissed me off this episode. Carrie... Um, starts talking about Big in heaven and how she, you know, maybe Big's trying to talk to her through her lamp and everything. And this is appropriately self, you know, absorbed in the way that Carrie is. But anybody who has ever um, mourned a, a major loss in their life like that, you know that you will go through these periods where you grasp at, oh, a bird landed anything, on yeah, the window yeah. and that's them trying to cut. That's natural. That's normal. So, and you're respectful of that. That's Not Miranda, who right. immediately right. was complete asshole about it, right. making fun of her. And, was, right. and all I could think was, what kind of asshole does that to someone who's grieving? Like, literally just makes fun of them for holding on to this image of their loved one in the afterlife. Like, I don't care. I'm an agnostic. I've been an agnostic my entire adult life. I would never say that to someone who was grieving. I think it's it's the creators waking up for a few minutes and, and realizing that, oh, Miranda is sarcastic, so let's insert a little bit of sarcasm and there. And she was the, given everything that she's <laughs> yes. been going through, it's like you are in no position to be I nasty know. about this to her with everything that you're doing in your life. It just it annoyed me um, because it was it, like they were trying to get back to sarcastic Miranda, right? but uh, they overshot their mark and they made her completely inappropriate. Like she's a bitch making fun of a widow for talking about her husband in heaven. Her best friend. Let's and her best that. friend. Yeah. Like the, it, you just overshot sarcastic and went straight towards sociopathic, which is a lot of what they've done with Miranda this season. Um, there was a, a, uh, interview that Cynthia Nixon gave. I can't remember where she gave it. And it was in the early weeks of the series. That is, it just sums everything up for me that is wrong with this series where she, Cynthia Nixon said, and you have to remember that she is an executive producer on this and that she had something to do with her own storyline. Um, what we're trying to do is correct some of the mistakes of the earliest of the earlier series. Okay. That is not a reason to do a series. 
to correct the mistakes, whatever mistakes were, were made, what what you classify as mistakes in in sex and and I know what, of course what they're talking about is the fact that it was a very shallow show, materialistic, and that right, all right. the women were white, and it depicted a New York City that didn't have any people of color in it. All of those were big flaws in the show, absolutely. But if the point of doing this follow up is merely to address those flaws, and then that's not a good enough no, reason. No. no. And I feel like that is exactly it, that they just decided they were going to correct these things, and they didn't decide on anything else. It's, it's almost, as, I think you mentioned this a long time ago, that they, they're they so afraid that we're not going to love this characters anymore, that we're going to start judging this these characters harshly. We always and, judge these characters. I know, but it's like things that were missing, you know, right. and all that type of stuff. And then now they need to do something so that we still love these characters. Um there are ways you can make these characters develop, not necessarily correct them, but, you know, make them grow like anybody else. That's all you have to do is yeah. show that they have grown, that they're not the same women they were in 2004. Right. You don't correct the past. None of us are the same people. And I've said this before, they could have simply introduced them in 2021, 2022 right. as women who who have a much broader group of friends now, not as women who are all meeting their first black people for the first time. Like right. that. And they don't know how to be. And they don't know how yeah. to behave. Like, yeah. Mar- I really liked Naya. Um, I liked all of the characters. Actually, let's say that the characters of color that they introduced um, with the exception of Che Diaz, but Seema p- played by Sarita Chowdhury and, um, uh, Naya, played by Karen Pittman, and Lisa Todd Wexley, who I can never remember the name of the actress. I like all three of those characters. I think all three of them slot very, very well into the reality of that that world that they all live in. Um, they drew them all in the simplest manner possible. Seema, lonely. Uh, Naya, fertility issues. Lisa Todd Wexley, social anxiety. And that's it. That's all that they had to say about those women. Nothing else to say. And I think... So is that really... What Did you really quote-unquote correct the issue when you just did these cardboard cutouts of people of color? Right, And it's such a shame because if you watch them perform, each one of them... They're great. They are amazing actors. They would make a great spin-off show about those women being friends. Why not just do (laughs) it? How about... They're not friends with them more. (laughs) And then they created their own show. How about a show about them? (laughs) We'll just call it Sex in the City and it'll be about those women. Um, great actors. I thought the characters were well drawn. They had nothing to say. The right. Naya one, I was just like, man, this woman, this poor woman, this poor actress, all she can talk about is how she can't have babies and her husband wants a baby every single scene. Right. And I realized fertility issues are important to and people. And that's a, an interesting conversation, but, but there's they, that's more all to that character. She yeah. said yeah. that was and everything she how said. How about expand around that and find right. out why they, they're acting the way they are right. and why they're struggling the way they are as opposed to just talk about a baby. Right. Um, I agree. I totally agree. But they're they're just there to support again the, the white ladies. Characters. Yeah, the white ladies who yeah. get more interesting storylines, and they're just background players for the white ladies. This is not a step forward. Not really. Um, a step forward would have had them fully integrated into these women's, and it's still like there's like the scene last week at the at the. Um, or even this at the they mitzvah this week, where like Lisa Todd Wexley shows up with her family, and Carrie and Miranda clearly barely know her, so they just wave at her from across the room. Why didn't you integrate all these right, characters? Right. The, the the why did fact, you make them all so separate from each the other? The fact that the new friends are all they're not white people that that alone is just it's just a blunt like such an, an in your face kind of. Uh, 
you know, all they had to do was these people was not make them new friends. Right. Like, I, we said this before. There was an 11 year gap from the last movie to the first season of this show. Right. They're just part of your life. Already. They could have just yeah. been, you yeah. know, Miranda's old college professor right. Right. and Seema was char- um, Carrie's old realtor and they've known each other for years. Yes. Why? It would they, make sense. Yes. Because that is what it's like to be middle aged. You know, a lot of people that you've known a long time. Right. Similarly with, um, uh, we've said this before with Samantha, there was no need right. to be lingering on this for so long. When you're 55, people leave your life. It happens. There was an 11 year gap. All they had to say was Samantha moved to London 10 years ago. We see her once or twice, you know, every couple of years. That's it. You didn't have to do this. We're having a fight and we're texting each other. And, you know, th- why? Why are you doing that? That's so disrespectful to Kim Cattrall. Yeah. I agree. Uh, um, the, and it's funny thing that Sarah Jessica, because they're all being interviewed. They're now. all defending it this week. And it's hilarious to they're watch. They're all in their own delusion But world. you can tell the backlash got to all of them. Yes. Oh, of course. I mean, social media now, it's, it's a whole different story. Yeah. Um, but Sarah Jessica Parker was interviewed and she's like talking about like, well, I don't want uh samantha anymore i don't want kim Kim cattrall to come back well you left it wide open you spent the whole season talking about her right right you can't have it both ways which is which is such a bullshit way to answer that question whatever the question was because the show literally ends with you inviting her for uh, a drink for a drink and uh, we all know that she's going to turn it down something was going to happen and she can't make it well no they continued the episode past that she had the drink with samantha oh she did yeah and then How they showed that? they showed her doing her podcast remember oh i think i missed that part huh interesting yeah i, I mean she that? had a drink with samantha oh, it all happened off camera yeah so that's gonna be there oh i just met samantha and we just had a wonderful conversation and whatever we went we went shopping why not just not mention Samantha? Like, right. Just forget about her. This is something I, I was thinking about the show last night, and I, it's weird how this whole series was defined by these absences. So um, they decided to spend all this time on, on Samantha Jones, even though Kim Control is there, which, A, that was a huge mistake. Then um, Chris Noth, they had to eliminate him from... Right. He was supposed to be in that dream sequence, and that stupid, stupid, stupid dream that she had about Paris. He's supposed to be in that dream, but they cut him out because of, you know, all the allegations against him. And then Stanford was written out abruptly because, the, you know, the actor died. Willie Garson died. Unfortunately, yeah. So they're writing around all these big gaps that don't make sense. Uh, and I realized that maybe Willie Garson dying and Chris Knott's uh, legal issues, they could have avoid, they couldn't have avoided, but they could have avoided talking about Samantha. Um, they could have just let it go. Uh, instead, they became obsessed with this idea of them having a fight. And right. again, we've said this before, these women aren't acting like any 55-year-old women I know, but like obsessing over old fights and stuff like that. Like, I don't know, you get to a certain I mean, it age. it would be more real if they had a situation that they said, well, what about Samantha? Well, can we not talk about her anymore? We're not friends anymore. Let's just drop just it. Just let it go. That would be, that would have been so more real. Right. You know, and like I haven't the way heard people... from Samantha in five years. Yeah, so whatever. And I'm she's not moved into, on. Yeah, I text her and she never replied. Meanwhile, I've been friends with Seema for the last nine years and she's fully integrated in my life and we right. don't have to have these weird scenes where i don't know how to talk to you know whatever i know i know i know just i it's so weird the way they constructed this the way they felt like the whole thing was an apology for the success of the first one 
Um, nobody who tuned into the this series was hoping to see a bunch of apologies. They just wanted to see the same aspirational, shallow women flitting through their lives that they were before. You just add more people of color to their world and let it let it progress. And, you didn't have to turn it into this right, thing. Right. And now that everyone gets interviewed for everything, you know, I read an interview with uh, Michael uh, Patrick King, the creator. Mm-hmm. Um, Delusional. Delusional. Talking about, like, he doesn't understand why everyone is speculating and talking about Miranda's, uh, you know, whole new life and whatever, and he doesn't understand. What? This is what we mean. All right, let's get into Miranda. This is what we mean about bad writing. About We're criticizing the writing of the show, not not the idea that, say, Miranda would have an unhappy marriage or Miranda might be queer. All, uh, Miranda's whole storyline is fine on paper. If that was the, what they want... I wasn't in love with the idea of mimicking Cynthia Nixon's life like that. I thought it was a little weird, but I am not opposed to one of these women, uh, having a midlife, uh, realization of queerness, leaving her husband, whatever, all of that works. And you can tell a really interesting version of that story. They didn't tell that version. And when you read like interviews with Michael Patrick King or Cynthia Nixon, who's been defending it, you can see that they, they have an idea of what that story is in their head that did not make it to the screen. Right. One of the things Cynthia Nixon said about Steve, because everyone's rallying around Steve and blah, blah, blah. And she's like, well, you have to understand, in a marriage, when one person is happy, the other person is probably unhappy too, and they just haven't learned to express. Okay, but that's not what you wrote. No. You wrote- We never saw that. We saw a Steve who was still madly in love with him, you, yeah. who, who you broke his heart because he couldn't find your clit. Like, that's the version that you- Yeah, you may have had something else in your head about you know two people growing apart and no longer being attracted to we. But but that is that's all in your head. That's and that's how I feel about the creators in general. There was so much in their head in their heads. But that's it. They have a podcast. The writers have a podcast. I've only listened to a few and And that's uh, all they a few minutes of it each week. And I'm like they have this version of the show in their head that is not the one we're all getting. No, and when you get that level of backlash against a show, I mean. There's Shay Diaz has been uh, trending on Twitter every day for like the last three days. And Sarah Ramirez had to uh, gave an interview to the New York Times. And I really, truly felt sorry for them because they were clearly uh, you you have to read through the through the lines of their responses. But they were clearly hurt and um, saddened by the reaction to this character. And I've, I've said all along, my problem is with Che. My problem is not with Sarah Ramirez. Right. And I am fine with Che uh, as a concept of a character. In other words, Miranda falls in love with a non-binary person, um, you know, and enters into a lesbian relationship with her. Uh, I have no problem with that character. They are so horrifically written that I just don't understand what the writers are thinking with this right, character. Right. Let's unpack this episode where she, or I'm sorry, they tells Miranda, they tell Miranda that um, they're going to introduce Miranda to her family, to their family. Right. And she, and they direct Miranda to a bar. What kind of weird fucked up thing is that when you tell someone that you're dating, that I want you to meet my family, there's clearly an expectation you've set up there. Right. That you are just fucking with them by having them show up at a bar. So and that, you know, even if they show up at a bar, I mean, there's there is a level introduction that has to be <laughs> It was so yeah. dismissive of yeah, Miranda. Yeah, sit here. Sit here with sit my here family. between my two grandmothers and then she went off on stage and had this moment, or I'm sorry, they went off on stage and had this moment where they sang this song. Uh, well, they sang California Girls and that was their announcement that she was, that they were leaving like in 
two days that no one in the room knew about. Right. And their Including girlfriend. Including Miranda. <laughs> what? And then they laugh it off. Oh, Miranda, you knew I was a narcissist. Okay. That's not, that is narcissism. Yes. But that is a, such a wild disregard for someone else's feelings. Someone else that you claim to be in love with that. Look, in the past, every single one of these women dated men, dated people that were wrong for them. Even Samantha dated a woman for a long time, and it was clear that that relationship was a bad idea for her. Um, and when that happened, every other character commented on the inappropriateness of that relationship. Everyone thought right, right. that, you know, Miranda or that Charlotte shouldn't marry Trey, that Miranda shouldn't be with Blair Underwood before she wound up with Steve, that Samantha shouldn't be with a woman, that uh, Carrie shouldn't be with Big, then she shouldn't be yeah. with Aiden, then she shouldn't have... A lot of judging. A lot of judging. And that was how that, the structure... Right. First off, um, that those characters are judgmental. That's part, And I think the, the series, the new series, was afraid to make them judgmental, but... Right. That's what friends I'm sorry, do. They, they've known each other for 35 years. Yeah. I mean, I years. expect my friend to slap my face when, exactly. when needed. If anything, you get a little more judgmental over yeah. time because they, you know what kind of mistakes that person tends to make over and over again. So let, there's that scene in the bathroom at the They Mitzvah uh, uh, yeah. where... Neither of them would actually say they. And it, this was dialogue. This was badly written dialogue where neither one of them would get to the point of that scene for them. And the, and the whole thing was like, oh, well, I don't want to be judgmental. Okay, maybe Carrie, be fucking judgmental. That's who you are. Right. And certainly when you were running off to Paris. Miranda was, and that's the other thing, Miranda and Carrie have a history of having screaming matches. Right. Like right. literal screaming matches right, where right. they don't talk to each other for days. Yes. And I get the idea, okay, they're mature, they don't, but I think you would have paid off that relationship if they had gotten into a full-blown screaming match. Yeah, you'd at least, you'd have at least heated conversations or something. They wouldn't go know? there. It was all like, oh, oh, and I don't want to say, and who are these women? Right. They used to scream at each other in boutiques and throw dresses at each other when they were men at each other <laughs> i don't expect them to be exactly the same but i expect a certain continuity and uh miranda running off uh running away from her new york life running off cross country to be with someone is an exact ref, ref, you know reflection of when carrie ran off to paris which they referred to in this episode so why wouldn't you refer to that in that argument they keep coming up to the it was the same thing when they were doing that podcast or on oh, the podcast we'll get into that in a second where they were talking about epic breakups and Kara was like, oh, I can outdo the both of you. And I know every single fan waited for her to say, I got broken up with on a post-it note. And she didn't say that. Right. No, she and has to talk about her husband's dead husband. dad. Yeah. And again, the point to doing these sort of sequel series is you do have to pay off the fandom on some level. And uh, you can't have these characters bring things up and then not make those references from, for, for for Carrie to say, though, I have the worst breakup story ever, and then not refer to that, which an entire episode was written around. Or Aiden. Well, she, that wasn't a worst breakup story. No, but they broke up. She, she, yeah. Anyway. Yeah, but I mean, her her that, burger yeah, story. Yeah, yeah, that burger story would be fun. Right. It would be something funny to to talk about on a podcast. I agree. And and when Shay, the whole thing with Shay, oh my God, just it's just so not right. And then. Shay says, oh, I was going to ask you if you want to go to California with me. What? Huh? 
with no notice. What is that? That what is, is that? just weird. It is just weird. And they they set it up like this thing where you can't criticize it because how dare you criticize Miranda trying to change her life? And I'm you're like, all right, well, you're changing your life, but you're acting like a crazy person. You're acting like a very immature person, which is not Miranda at all. Right. Um, so you went back to school, you fought very hard for that internship, and then you're going to just throw everything away so that you should She is the go? most career-oriented character and on listen, that show. It makes no sense at all because you're, maybe I know too much about it, but she's going to California, I mean, she's going to California with Shay uh, to, because Shay has this pilot going on, and we know how these pilots work. Sometimes they work, they don't. Um, and even if, if Shay goes to, to California to develop her pilot or whatever, it's for... Uh, temporary uh it's a temporary situation right um so why don't you stay in new york and wait until things or travel to new york often none of this feels like miranda right and none of this feels like the triumphant story of a woman finding happiness in middle age it sounds delusional and it sounds they keep setting it up they kept setting it up in a way where Anybody would be concerned. You gave up that internship, and then right. everything. And then Miranda, complete, well, that sounds judgmental. Well, you're damn right. That sounds judgmental because it doesn't sound like I you. I don't have a problem with her leaving a man for a no, not at all uh, uh, person. That's not the issue. The issue is how you doing it at your age. It's and, not her and how yes. the writing is handled. Well, with at your age and and given the personality that has presented to us, you know how you are as a person i mean it just doesn't fit right anywhere um miranda wouldn't do that or if she did she would be a little more cautious or if there should have been writing to support the idea yes. that she was uh that the people around her were concerned i again one of the things that got me really angry watching this episode was that scene with brady right where that actor barely had a line all all season long, but here he is giving his mom the thumbs up as she moves away with her new girlfriend or non-binary partner. Um, nothing wrong with him getting that character to that point, but they completely bypassed any painful yeah. conversations, any yeah. sort of uncomfortable yeah. Yeah. scene. They never sat down and there talked was about no, anything. No. He just accepted it. Right. And all of that happened off screen. Steve, the divorce, all of that, guess that's happening off screen too. We're not going to see him again either. You can write about a woman in her middle age getting out of her life and moving away from her family and all of that. And you can make it very triumphant, but that is not what they did. Right. They skipped all the painful parts. Anytime someone questioned her, she got defensive and called them judgmental. And there was nothing in the writing. Like I said, on Sex in the City, when someone dated someone or was doing something, and even when Charlotte um, quit her job, right. They all judged the hell out of her. For now, yes. in the long run, Charlotte got it was the right choice for Charlotte, and but the characters themselves were able to voice all their problems right, right. with it, and none of that is happening because it, it's we don't want to make yeah. them judgmental. Miranda's friend, the teacher, the professor. It's insane her reaction because the, the that show, scene was ridiculous. That scene was so ridiculous. She goes from like, "But you fought really hard for this," but I understand. But I completely accept understand. it. I understand. It's it's about love. I understand. In in two minutes, yeah. the conversation changed like that. Yeah. And, uh, this would be a much more interesting storyline if people were allowed to say, Miranda, this is crazy. Right. Um, you don't have to punish her, but you have to let the people around her act like people would. Um, that's that is my issue with with uh, with the way Miranda's been written. I, I really don't care anymore that they made her queer or I don't care if they broke her up, at, broke her and Steve up. Um, but 
there were ways of doing that, and you didn't choose to do that. The the whole approach with the show, and I think the New York Times, or somebody had a, a piece about it, like that it was like, and just like that, the show ended, and there was no point to it. There, there was no point like to that. it. There was, was no point. There is absolute no addition whatsoever. No. no. And you talk, and again, back to the interview, I think it was for the... Uh, the Hollywood Reporter, um, Michael, uh, Michael uh, Patrick Green, he talks about how the Sex in the City was about sex. It was about like real sex and women having sex. And then the, the and just like that, his idea was to how, well, how do you, we change that uh, conversation to a more um, current uh, conversation? Well, it's going to be about gender. So the show was all about gender in his head. Well, can I just say that the other thing is that their their representation of trans or non-binary people was not great. Right. You have Che, on one hand, who is a sociopath and narcissist. You have Rock, who, I'm sorry, Rock was a complete asshole this episode. A complete asshole. Right. Um, and then you have Rabbi Jen, who I actually did think that character was funny. And I thought Harry Neff did a great job in that scene. She was, a, in some ways, a classic Sex and the City character. They always right, bring right. these sort of opinionated like, New Yorkers. Like the cashmere uh, Exactly. <laughs> so there's always yeah. these colorful, opinionated yeah. New Yorkers wandering in and out of right. scenes. And I didn't mind that. But um, uh, she was obnoxious. Right. She was overstepping her bounds. She was completely obnoxious. And when they got to that scene, I was like, okay, haha, this is funny. But this is the third obnoxious or self-absorbed trans person you have depicted in this show. And to go back to your point about Michael Patrick King saying it's all about gender, well, it's still about cisgender women. So I don't know how... You really can't explore gender all that much if those are the people at the center of the story. Right. Just because you added a few characters doesn't mean that, you know... It suddenly becomes about that. No. And and the rabbi in the bathroom uh, scene, that was awful. Awful. I thought awful. it was funny. No, I thought it was awful. Um, awful. But anyway, um, I can see the humor and I can understand that New York type of situation where people just say whatever they want to say to right. strangers and right. all. But still, it just didn't feel right. Um, the Carrie... Uh, well, we didn't get into Carrie's whole arc, which was what to do with Big's ashes first. The, and they do these things where... And this is so typical, the writing on this show. In order to get Carrie to decide what to do with Big's ashes, they had to introduce a brother who they introduced at the funeral, but there was no need for this character. I looked at the man and was like, who are you again? Well, I recognize the the actor, and I knew he was cast as Big's brother, so I... Whatever. But uh, here's a character that never existed or was referred to prior to this series, and you're only bringing him in to get her to do something that actually made her look like a sociopathic asshole as well. Right. It, if I'm just trying to picture if I contacted the spouse of one of my, uh, all, thankfully all of my siblings are still alive, but when one of my siblings passes away, if I were to contact their spouse, my in-law, and say, you know, what are your plans for the, you know, blah, blah, blah. And they jet off to Paris, don't tell you about it, and dump. Uh, Carrie, right. what a sociopathic right. thing to do. And it's not like he, he didn't have a relationship was with them. concerned yeah. Yeah. as his yeah. brother. What are you going to do? I would like to know what you're doing. And she just runs off and doesn't include... Why Why write this character in then? If you wanted Carrie on a bridge in Paris all by herself, do not introduce a brother that she then screws over. Because the writing is about creating characters or using characters 
to make a point of something. They're like little chess pieces. They yes, move around the yes, board, yes, but they don't they, make any sense. The writing is so concerned with, with what they're saying, with what the idea or the uh, what they're presenting, that they completely forget about character development. Right. There's no development right. whatsoever. There's no proper introduction of a character. And you, as the viewer, you're lost because, right. like, why are you acting like that? And who are you? Oh, and what happened to so and so? Right. You're like looking for these people. <laughs> Nothing. They every they they the writing is so sloppy that they wind up making these characters look like even bigger assholes right. than the writing intends for them. So Carrie on that bridge, all I could think was about her brother-in-law who was waiting for an answer. Right. And you just cut him out. Right. Uh, but you were going to pay for your three friends to stay with you in Paris to go on this trip with you. Again, why did you write him in if you were going to have Carrie mistreat right. him that badly? Right. right. Now, what did you think of the scene on the bridge? I thought it was ridiculous. Uh, first of all, she's wearing Valentino Couture. and That is a $50,000 gown at least. <sighs> and and I'm like, like, did she pack that on the plane for real? I'm, I mean, like, why? You would have had to buy a ticket for that dress, literally. I wouldn't do that. I wouldn't. I'm thinking about, like, throwing your ashes somewhere. I'm, I would not wear a tuxedo. No, I don't think so. <laughs> uh I don't know. Just, I don't understand no, it. No, because I, it's it's well, it's, I do understand it because the uh the original show, especially in the Paris scenes, had these moments where Carrie would show up in these ridiculous outfits. Right, and, right. But they sort of made sense within the story. Even that giant Versace gown, she was right. stuck in a hotel room because she thought she was going out that night with him. This there's no you are by yourself. Right. And you I'm all I, when we watch it, I was like, oh my God, any Parisian would laugh at her, would just roll their eyes at that ridiculous. And they would peg her as an American almost immediately, as a rich American making an ass out of herself. Um, just no, how did you get there? Did you take an Uber? Really? You got your, your $50,000 gown in an Uber just so you could do this? It just, it looked very Carrie Bradshaw, but it was so dumb and weird that I just thought it was silly. And the Eiffel Tower bag, everything is so like, oh, here we are. Right. <clears throat> here couture fashion. Um, I don't think that's the way she would handle the situation. That's I don't know. Me, I, who knows? Yeah. I, I don't think she, I don't think it makes much sense for her to, to do it that way. I just don't. I could see her going to the bridge, maybe putting on a nice outfit, but certainly that you're not paying tribute to big wearing that gown, except for the fact that his money probably Is paid that for where it. They have the conversation when, yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. I'm trying to, remember um, the scene. that was why she did it there. Yeah. But All right. no, just silly ass dumb shit. Um, <laughs> Silly ass dumb shit. That's the thing. You you trying to get these characters to have interesting moments of growth and and to navigate. And despite what um, Michael Patrick King said, it's not a show about gender. It's a show about middle age. Or I mean, it is a show about middle age because everyone in it is middle aged and they all talk about how old they are all the time. And I mean, that is my major problem here is that it just doesn't examine any of those. The show, the, the entire show read like an audience where you hold the sign and say, applause, right. applause now. Right. It, it was so directed at, at something. Right. They, there was such a, uh, an agenda for everything. Right. And, and the characters just played whatever they were supposed to play. Um, it was not about a story and, and characters. That's how I feel. And then in the final minutes of the show, Carrie just falls into the arms yes. of her podcast mm -hmm. her cute podcast producer who was been on the edges of the story all along and um i kind of assumed that some, something was going to happen but the way that was done was just so crazy oh, and, and weird and, and, and inappropriate and, and jackie all of a sudden got married and we barely know him um 
That's the yeah that character. I actually like the character. <laughs> yeah, I, and I, I, I like the actor a lot. I like the actor a lot. And I, um, when Carrie said something like we we need to remain friends, and I was like, yeah, Carrie would remain friends with that guy. He's goofy and right. He's sort of like a straight Asian um, Stanford for her. Um, I didn't mind the the wedding scene, all of that, because uh, it shows that Carrie lives in a world. Like her life goes on; it doesn't all revolve around her three girls. But girl we barely knew. But we don't know yeah, this we guy. We don't know this guy. And yeah. every time they write these scenes with him and Che in the in the uh, podcast, um, everyone laughs at them, but nothing they fucking say is funny. If you are writing a character that is supposed to be funny and you have all the other characters laughing at everything that character says, you better write something funny. Oh, and also Shay announced, oh, I'm, I'm leaving the podcast. Bye. What? Well, that's the thing is that the writing what? seems to understand like like this guy, Jackson, is that his name? Jackie, I think. Jackie. He stopped talking to Che after this and, and didn't invite Che to his wedding. So they acknowledge that Che is a problematic character, but they will not let... Carrie say anything or Charlotte say anything or 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 Brady say anything when this character acts like an asshole at left right and center um and going oh and the other thing was with the podcast where they had call-ins you can do a podcast where like you tweet out a number and then but that clearly wasn't what they were doing like at one point the producer says oh you depressed everyone no one's called as if people were listening to the podcast and calling in why didn't they just give Carrie a radio show? Right. That's what you want. That's what she's doing. Just put her on Sirius XM and call her a radio host. But they get this idea, look, podcast is so 2022, so we're going to make her a podcaster. It's just the whole thing. And back to the apartment. Why is she back out of the apartment? Which, again, makes no this sense. is just terrible writing because you already addressed the fact that she does not want to be there. Right. At one point, she screamed, this isn't working. Right. And that was about five episodes ago, and there's been no mention of her apartment hunting ever again. I'm sorry. You are richer than anybody. Like, right, right. You, what, no. You're wearing Valentino Couture in Paris. You can rent you an can apartment. You can get an apartment. There's no reason <laughs> yes. for you to yeah. be here, except yeah. nostalgia, and it makes no sense. Um, I don't know. You have anything else? It, that's it. I mean, the only character that I laughed most of the time was Anthony. Anthony was funny. You know, that, they that, kept him uncomplicated. Yeah, that's that. That was it. That's usual. You know, right. just a supporting you know part, and which is fine. But yeah, but everybody else was very, I don't know, problematic in the way. I wish I they could have shown a version of their lives that was just as fun and aspirational as the version we saw back in the day. But as Cynthia Nixon implied. They were there to apologize for past sins, like, and the right. the show felt like that. It felt like a dreary exploration of a sad and tense and scary and confusing middle and age. And you can call all that with, and you can do. I mean, you can do all that without, you know, calling attention to what you're doing because that's basically what they did. We're gonna do this now, right? Pay there was no subtlety. There was no, no nothing. Nothing like when when they're talking about during the date scene. Uh, they're talking about googling themselves, but it, it's presented in a way like, oh, here we're, we're doing what the folks, the kids are doing now. Well, oh my God, during the wedding, that's the type when of the, thing that, when the preacher was like, "You may now kiss each other or whatever gets the most Instagram likes," and I wanted a hold to open up and swallow me. Yeah, like it's, that again, is 
what 45-year-old wrote that line? Because it's cringeworthy. Yes. Because yes. you really think that's all that millennials do is talk about Instagram. Like You had to work that in in the clumsiest, right. dumbest way that's possible. That's the problem. That's why everyone on social media, that's what people complain about. Yeah. It's not presenting these topics. Uh, it's how you present them. Right. Um, yeah, it's not the topics themselves. No, it's the execution no, it's not. of the those topics. The topics are great. They're, yeah. they're current. They need to be inserted in a way but it's just the way you present them right it's like look at me here now doing this right um and it just doesn't work no Hmm. Hmm. anything else anyway i will definitely watch season two (laughs) oh yeah so will i of course of course Uh, i will i i still love these characters and and one of the things that's come out in the uh it the sort of defensive tour that everybody's doing to explain the show is a couple of things have come out this week that I've read. One was in InStyle magazine. Um, and I think the other was the Sarah, Sarah Ramirez profile in uh, the New York times where um, they're taking the tag and this is, you know, don't diversify your show and then hide behind that diversity when you are getting criticism right so yes uh, that's yes, that's yes, the thing this yes, week yes. was you can't you can't criticize yes. Che diaz because then you're criticizing non-binary representation is, on tv or you can't criticize miranda's storyline because then you're criticizing all middle-aged women who decided to make a change in their life uh-uh no no no, no. no. Um, they did a fucking awful job on Stanford's storyline, but I would never, ever claim, oh, we can't criticize that because that's middle-aged gay male representation. No, there is, I don't care how diverse, I mean, diversity is a good thing in casting, but if it leads to bad writing, that needs to be pointed out and you don't get to hide behind the diversity as a shield from bad writing. That would be like the same thing with with a black person on a show or or in a a movie. Like you can't criticize any of the characters if they're black. So a a black person cannot criticize a a, a black character because they should just be thankful that the character is there. No, it doesn't work that way. It just doesn't work that way. And bad writing is bad writing. And I'm happy to see the existence of Che Diaz in a world, in the Sex and the City world, but that doesn't mean Che Diaz is a well-written character because they're not. Um, you're so consulting many, your notes. Do you no, have anything just else? so many things, like just like, what's a pilot when Miranda's like, what's a pilot? Come on. Right. Come on, right. people. It's just, oh, yeah. Writing needs to change drastically. It does. We will be back for season two if and when it's announced. But I wish the people involved, the writers especially, not the actors, because they tend to get defensive, the writers really need to listen to a lot of the backlash yeah, but instead of getting defensive about right. it. You had an idea of what this show was inside your heads, and it is not the show that we all watched. Yes. It's not. Yes. Um, it wasn't a show about middle-aged women uh, diversifying their lives and trying new experiences. It was about them answering for past mistakes, and that's it. Um, and you can't write a show with an agenda like that. It's just dreary. Um, Sex and the City was an aspirational show. It had a lot of shallowness to it. I understand wanting to add some depth to that world. Um, but sh- you should... That, how often did you laugh this season? Right. No. I mean, we used to laugh at Sex in the City. All there the time, were yeah. funny scenes. Samantha Jones, almost everything she said was yeah. hilarious. Everybody. I, mean, I don't laugh at all during any of these episodes. Never. I right. smile a little bit at Rabbi Jen or when um, Charlotte told... 
uh, Lily that she was checking her father for cancer instead of blowing in. Like, those were cute little funny moments. But there has not been one laugh-out-loud moment in the entire season. Right. That, And I can't say that about any season of Sex in the City. Because I laughed during mm, every season. Right, because they're worried and they're serious about the yeah. topic. And they have to repent, <laughs> repent for their privilege and their mistakes. And what I don't understand that they don't understand is that presenting hot topics and interesting things like that... It just looks like it comes across as an obligation that you're doing it because you have to do it, right. not because you want to do it right. for those characters. Right. It's just an awful way to present them. What I really want for the second season is for them to hire at least three people who are exactly the same age as the characters. Yes. Because Michael Patrick King is almost 70, yeah. and a half of the writing staff is a good 10 years younger than these women. And they need a couple of 50 to 55-year-old yes, writers absolutely. in there, especially yes. female writers to talk about those experiences and that's from their, that perspective. I remember very old interviews with, with the creators of the show and the writers of the show, and they all shared their experiences. It right. was The episodes were all about their own experience in New York. Uh, and I remember the female writers especially talking about, oh, I went through this, you know, mm-hmm. my friend went through this, and that's where writing that into the show. Um, where are these people? Well, I think that's why these women all seem a little like they're in their early 40s rather than in their mid 50s is because a lot of the writers are. Anyway, I think we've hashed this to death. Mm-hmm. Um, do you I have anything agree. else you want to add? No, that's pretty much it. All right, then. We will be back next week to talk about something not related to Sex in the City or and yes. just like that. And I'm sure that will make some of you quite happy. <laughs> uh, but until then, uh, what, you know. We'll be back next week with whatever crosses our eyes across their desk. So uh, stay safe and love you, mean it, and bye-bye. Bye. Bye.